Hey, man, I, like, it's just good to be here, isn't it? It's good to be here. I want to say thank you so much for making it out to a service. Um, we appreciate you being here. Uh, if you're not here, it's way less fun, and so thanks for making this not a pain for me. Honestly, thank you for being here. This is awesome. Um, I also want to welcome those of you who are watching online as well. Glad you are tuned in. But if you're watching online because you head out of town for the weekends in the summer, I just want to let you know that that's one of the reasons we have Wednesday night services all summer long, so you can still go do the cabin, vacation, whatever thing, but not miss out on being here in person because watching a video is one thing, and that's awesome, but you miss out on the experience and the environment and the music and the people and just stuff that we can't replicate online. So for all of us to keep in mind, especially you online, uh, just remember we've got Sunday and Wednesday services so that hopefully the goal is none of us have to miss a week all summer long. We can still enjoy summer in Minnesota and still be together as a church. So uh, we are in the middle of a series called Deeper. If it's your first time here or first time in a while, this series is really about this, that sometimes those of us who are Christians, we have this desire or this tendency that we want to go deeper. We want to look for something deeper. We want to dive into the Bible deeper. We want to dive into Christianity deeper. We want to find some new deep revelation from God. But what happens sometimes is that what we end up looking for or hearing or finding isn't really deep at all. It's maybe detailed. It's maybe some more information, but it's not deep. It's not life-changing for us. And, and throughout the New Testament, there are warnings for Christians, people like you and I, to be careful of that, to not drift off into the weeds, to not focus on things that don't really matter. The information is okay, but just make sure they say don't get caught up in meaningless discussions or, or these sorts of different things. And so as, as a, a series, as a church, we are talking about some of the deeper things of God and what is really most important and most meaningful. And here's kind of the definition that we're using to define deeper. A deeper thing is this, a profound spiritual truth that is meaningful, awe-inspiring, relationship-building, and life-changing. Things that meet this definition are the deeper things in Christianity. Now, um, to start off today, I want to share with you some things that are absolutely true, okay? 100% verifiable facts, but that sound unbelievable at the same time. For example, did you know that there was an event, an accident that happened in 1919 in the north end of Boston that caused 21 people to lose their lives and about another 150 to be injured? An accident happened. That accident is known as the Great Molasses Flood. What? Here's what happened. There was a storage container that held about 2 million gallons of molasses that burst open one day sending out molasses at about 35 miles an hour, flattened building, ruined businesses. There were some, you know, eyewitnesses, molasses was past people's waist, just this gooey brown liquid floating everywhere all over the city. Um, eyewitnesses say that for the next decade or so in the summer, that part of Boston just reeked and smelled like molasses. And unfortunately, 21 people lost their life. Now, any time there's a loss of life is, is sad and tragic, but I just can't get out of my mind that maybe one of the people who died is in heaven. 
And then, you know, there's a couple other people in heaven and they're sitting around having a conversation. One of them goes, you know, hey, uh, I died as a gladiator in the ring. Oh, what a noble death. And then there's like a World War II fighter pot. I was fighting the Nazis and I went down. And maybe they look at this guy and they're like, Sam, how'd you die? And he's like, I'd rather not say. No, come on, Sam, how'd you die? Molasses. Like, what? What? How is that even possible to die from molasses? I mean, on the list of things to be killed from, molasses has got to be right down there at the bottom. But it's real, okay? It happened. It is absolutely true. Here's another thing for you that you probably uh, didn't know and it's unbelievable. A platypus doesn't have nipples. And also, I think this is the first time we've used the word nipples in a message. So, um, that's, that's a thing, I guess. Okay, so I'm no biologist, all right? But I thought that mammals had to have nipples. Like, I just thought that was, you know, one of the requirements to be a mammal. But we all know that a platypus is like the freak of the animal world. And so, you know, whatever. But here's, here's what happens, right? Mothers still have to feed their young. And so they still have mammary glands. But this is what happens. They secrete and ooze out milk from their abdomen that gets, like, collected in the pockets and folds of the skin that the young just laps up. Like... Y'all, we have never been so more happy to not be a platypus than we are right now. You know, like that is, that is absolutely disgusting and horrendous and unbelievable at the same time. How long do you think the human circulatory system is? In the average adult, right? The average adult male is about five and a half to six feet tall. How long do you think all the veins and arteries and capillaries are inside the body? I mean, they got to run, you know, up and down, what, 100 times, even 1,000 times? You're talking about 5,000 feet, 50,000 feet long? How long do you think? How about over 500 million feet long? The average human circulatory system is almost 100,000 miles in length. That is enough to wrap around the earth four times inside you and me, delivering blood and oxygen to our extremities. And like that is, that is absolutely crazy. Do you know what the longest word in the English language is? It's this right here. This is a real word. Okay, this is the, this is the proper name for a protein. This word has almost 190,000 letters in it. And this is all of them. I found a website. I didn't type it out. just hit copy-paste. And uh, they say, whoever they is, they say it would take over three hours just to pronounce this one word. Let me read you all the letters. M-E-T-H-I-O-N-Y-L-T-H-N. <laughs> no, no, please stop, God. I will spare you the joy of listening to me read 190,000 letters. But this is absolutely real. This is the longest word in the English language. And there's one more fact I want to share with us that is totally real totally true, but maybe one of the most unbelievable things that you and I will ever hear. And it's this right here. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. Now, this is not true for every person in all of time, but for those of us who have put our trust in Jesus to be made right with God, who believe that Jesus is the way that we go to heaven, for those of us, the Spirit of God lives in us. God is in us. Can you even believe how crazy this is? 
I think sometimes, you know, just as, as Christians, we tend to just read past this stuff and bypass, but this is more than our human minds can even fathom. I was talking to somebody earlier this week, one of our elders here at church, and I, I just told him my dilemma of, of trying to talk about this and explain it. I, said, I just want to read this verse and then just sit down for five minutes and not say a word. Like, how can you possibly describe God in us? God lives inside you and I, every one of us who have put our trust in Jesus Christ. Last week, we talked about this incredibly deep truth that the God of the universe, the God who breathed out stars bigger than we can imagine, who breathed out galaxies hundreds of thousands of light years across, he's with us and he wants to be with us. But this, this is on another level entirely. That same God somehow in some sort of way through the Holy Spirit lives inside of every single believer. That's crazy. That is absolute. How do we wrap our minds around the God of the universe, bigger, more powerful, more awesome than we can imagine, inside you and I? To me, when I, when I read this verse, this to me seems like it's on par with some of the other great kind of philosophical, unanswerable thoughts. You know, like, can, can God make a rock so big that he can't lift it? I don't know. Okay, that doesn't make sense. Our brains don't work that way. This is, to me, this seems like that. How does the God of the universe live in me? How does the Spirit of God dwell inside of me, inside of you? And like, what does this even mean? How can we wrap our minds around this incredible thought? But here's the thing. This is core Christianity. Okay, this is a basic foundational doctrine, but it is so deep and so meaningful and more than we can even grasp. This is not just something that's found in like the liner notes, you know, or the index hidden away somewhere. This is Christianity. In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writes this. He has, talking about God, has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. The moment that you and I put our trust in Jesus, whether that was 50 years ago, five minutes ago, maybe we're still on the journey, we're going to make a decision five years from now, the moment we say, Jesus, I believe you paid my penalty, the penalty of my sin, the moment we do that, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. God is in us, okay? There's, there's no like working towards this. There's no like, yo, you unlocked Christianity level 27, dun, 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 here's the Holy Spirit. There's not like a probationary period that like, you know, God's waiting up in heaven. Was they, were they really serious? No, 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 no. The moment we become a Christian, God dwells in us. What? That doesn't even make sense. And this is not the only spot. The Apostle John writes the same thing in one of his letters. God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him. That one's not so hard to understand. But and he in us? I mean, John just basically says, listen, the proof's in the pudding. Or basically the proof is in the spirit in this case. This is one of the deepest things we will ever try and wrap our minds around. That God lives in me and in you and in every single person who has put their trust in Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. God in us, the Holy Spirit, has so much depth 
and richness and meaning and application for our lives. Okay, we're not going to do a whole series on the Holy Spirit right now, but there are just some basic things that we got to cover about what God in us means for you and I. God in us, the Holy Spirit inside of us, means that we are empowered or given supernatural spiritual gifts, gifts like wisdom and discernment and a special message or things like that. Not natural talents, not natural abilities, but a supernatural power within us, with, with, with God working in us and through us, these gifts to build the church. That is amazing. What an incredible thing to, to try and wrap our minds around. God in us, the Holy Spirit in us, means that we have access to this power, that we are, we are empowered and transformed on the inside to live differently than before that our natural tendencies, kind of our sinful ways as the Bible describes it, that those can be curbed through this God living in us, the power of the Holy Spirit in us, transforms us and makes us more into the image of God, more into his likeness where our thoughts and attitudes and hearts are changed and transformed on the inside. Where we can put to death the old way, not through our strength, not through our work, but through the power of the Spirit and live in this new way, this new way of experiencing and representing God in our world, that is absolutely amazing. The Holy Spirit, God in us, can encourage us. The Holy Spirit can convict us so many different ways that God in us makes a difference in our lives. But to me, when I think about the deepest thing of all, all of those were incredibly deep. We'll talk about it maybe sometime later. But the deepest thing to me, there is a profound thing that happens in you and I because God is in us, because the Holy Spirit is in us. And we can read about this in a letter called 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is written by the Apostle Paul, and towards the beginning of this letter, he talks about his God-given role, that he was kind of charged to spread the message of Jesus, to share the message with Gentiles, and he talks about his strategy a little bit, that I use plain words, and I'm not trying to sound clever or more spiritual. He had been given this incredible message about Jesus and wanted to speak it and share it as plainly as possible. But he wrote that the rulers of this world, that's his terminology, wouldn't understand it. That not everybody would get or conceive what God has done for us through Jesus. And he writes this. We're, gonna, we're kind of going to work our way through a whole section Paul says, this is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love them. Now, so often when, when Christians read this verse, when you and I maybe hear this verse or read it ourselves, we think, oh man, heaven's got to be great, right? Golden streets, it's got to be more beautiful than we can imagine. And yeah, that's part of it, but that's not everything that this verse says. What, what Paul is writing here is that the rulers of the world, and even you and I, humanly speaking, we can't totally grasp what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. That our eyes can't see it, our ears can't hear it, our, our minds cannot possibly understand the depth of what God has done through Jesus, that we could be forgiven of our sins, that we can have a relationship with God. Like that is just too much for us, humanly speaking, to understand and comprehend. No eye has seen any of this stuff. But he goes on to write this. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit. For his Spirit searches out everything and shows us 
key part right here, shows us God's deep secrets. That humanly speaking, this is more than we can understand, that, that our minds can't even wrap around this incredible gift, this wonderful thing that God has given us. But when we have God in us, when we have the Holy Spirit in us, then we can understand God at a whole new level. It's like our, our eyes and ears and minds are open up to this spiritual reality that we just can't get any other way. He goes on, he keeps saying, no one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit. Right? We get this. We understand. That, that's not hard to understand. It's, for example, it's like if you're a Vikings fan, right? You can't understand the thoughts of a Packers fan, mostly because they don't have coherent thoughts. It's just, oh, like cheese, you know? We can't, like, we can't understand that. It doesn't make sense. It's just a bunch of gibberish. Or, you know, if a Ford person can't understand why somebody would buy a Chevy, a Harley person's never going to understand a, a Yamaha. As an Apple lover, I can't understand why you'd want an Android phone. Okay, it just doesn't make sense. Um, our kids. Kids are a great example, okay? You and I, we can tell our kids how much we love them. We can spend time with them. We can hug them. We can remind them four hours every day, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. But our kids are never going to get our love for them, Right? Paul says that's because our kids don't have our spirit within them. Nobody knows our thoughts, our heart, our motives, the why behind it. Nobody knows that except us. And he says it's the same thing with God. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And I think for some of us, we've felt like that before, haven't we? Man, God, it's impossible to know you. God, I maybe see it working for other people, but every time I try, it just feels like nothing really happens. Maybe you've heard God loves you, and okay, so what? Or you try to spend time with God, you try to pray, you try to read the Bible, and it just feels like you don't get anywhere. Is that, is that you? Have you felt like that before? Because that's a problem that the Bible addresses. Paul says, listen, that's it. No one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. But here's the good news. Here's what Paul goes on to continue writing. But we have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. So that we can know, so that we can understand, so that our minds can be opened up to, wow, God, you are absolutely amazing. You see, Jesus gives us access to God but it's through the work of the Holy Spirit that we experience the presence of God. That it becomes more than just knowledge, more than just information, more than just a message we heard, more than just a page in the Bible we had to read that day, but it actually becomes real in our lives. God in us means that the Holy Spirit, that we can know the thoughts of God, the heart of God, the attitude of God, the affection of God, God's will and purpose and desire for you and I, it's more than just up here, but he actually helps us to experience that reality in our lives. Most of us, again, we've heard that God loves us, right? That's, I mean, that's just, that's just out there. There's plenty of Bible verses that talk about God's love for all people. There's plenty of, you know, churches that talk about it. And we even did a message last week that touched on how much God loves us. There's no short, I mean, it's just, it's out there kind of like a fact in the world. God loves you. Yeah, I know. But for some of us, that's all it is. It's just a fact. 
Like two plus two equals four, and God loves us. They're at the same level. But what about knowing it more than just that? What about experiencing the love of God in our lives? You see, in Romans, Paul writes this. He says, we know how dearly God loves us. Why? Because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. That we, we, it, knowing it is one thing, but experiencing it, sensing his love, living in God's love through a relationship with him, God being in us, it's more than just a fact. It's more than just memorizing Bible verses. It's more than just reciting something that our parents told us, you know, Jesus loves me, this I so. It's more than that. The Holy Spirit fills our hearts with the realization of God's love. That the Holy Spirit takes that, that knowledge, God's love, and brings it inside of you and I in a transformational way. What what an incredible thing, God, in us that we get to experience the love of God in our lives. How about hope, right? We we hear about hope all the time. You know, God gives you hope or with God there's always hope or all these other cliches that kind of get thrown around. And listen, that's true, okay? God does give us hope. But sometimes when you and I hear that phrase, we just think of it like wishful thinking, right? Like maybe it's just the power of positive self-talk. You know, with God there's always hope. But that's not the sort of hope that we read about in the scriptures. That's not how it has to be just, yeah, that exists somewhere. Later on in Romans, Paul says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. That this this hope that the Holy Spirit illuminates in our lives. It's more than just crossing our fingers and hoping for a good day next Tuesday. It is an actual realization that, 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 that God is who he said he is, that he's going to do what he said he's going to do, that we can absolutely trust him. It is, a, it is a foundational assurance in the character of God, and that is overflowed in our hearts, not something that we create in our minds, not something that our physical eyes can see, but the power of the Holy Spirit being in us, God in us, is absolutely amazing. He goes on in a different letter. He says this, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, God, that he will empower you with inner strength through his Spirit. That you and I have access to a strength, a supernatural strength on the inside, that our hope is more than just words. That our strength is more than just words, but it is actually a reality that we live in where God is working in you and I. Can you even imagine how amazing that is, how deep that reality is that God's Spirit lives inside of us to give us and bring into our lives, into our relationship with Him, all these wonderful things. It's the Holy Spirit that confirms and assures us that we are children of God. We read one of the verses last week. We're not going to put it up this week. But God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts to confirm that we are children of God. And we respond with, Abba, Father, yes, you are my Father. What an incredible gift. The Holy Spirit can help us when, when we're trying to talk to God or pray and we just feel like our, our communication isn't quite cutting it. The Holy Spirit can come alongside us or the Christianese word is intercede for us in this 
connection with God where just our English words don't cut it anymore. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would remind us of all truth. It means so many amazing things that can happen in our life because God is in you and I. What a deep thought to ponder. What a deep thought to consider that the God of the universe through the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, works in us, overflows our hearts with these, as Paul wrote, these deep secrets, these, these ideas and concepts about God and His will and His heart for us. But here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. On one hand, there's plenty of, of scriptural evidence to support and say, the moment we put our trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is there. God is in us absolutely, without a doubt, that is just a fact the Holy Spirit resides inside of us. But also, there are other verses, specifically if you look at the, the New Testament document called Acts, which documents you know, the, the birth of the church, where there seems to be a second step to the Holy Spirit as well. That yes, the Holy Spirit is in us, but he's not quite fulfilling all of his purpose or all of his role in us. And I think of it like this, okay? Think of it like electricity, right? In every one of our homes, everybody watching online, you're watching this now because of this. There's electricity, right? There's wires running through the walls and there's electricity running to light switches and ceiling fans and outlets. But unless you and I plug something in, unless you and I flip a switch, unless we turn something on, it's just kind of sit like the electricity is just hanging out. And that's, that's not a perfect analogy, but in my head, that's kind of how I try to wrap my mind around this concept that, yes, the Holy Spirit is in us, but he's not quite actively doing what he can do in us. And I know that sounds confusing, okay? I'm just going to let you know that sounds confusing. That's hard to understand. Um, I can't really explain it any better than that. I am personally okay with saying if I could understand everything there is to, to understand about God and explain it with perfect clarity, God would be way too small, okay? So like, I, I am okay with the fact God says both of these are true. Like, I just chalk it up to God, that's on you. Yes, the Holy Spirit is in us as believers, but also there seems to be a second step to allow him to work in us or work in us more. And there's, there's, there's two very clear um, examples of this in this letter called Acts, in Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 19. You can go read them later if you'd like. If you don't have a Bible, we have some available at the Information Center. But in both of these situations, there is a group of people who have put their trust in Jesus. They are Christians, but they don't, they have not been filled with the Holy Spirit or they haven't received the Holy Spirit. Again, Kind of confusing, but I just want to read through one of them. This is the one from Acts chapter 19. This is Paul speaking. It says, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would be in us the moment we put our trust in him. That's, that's settled. But they had no idea the Holy Spirit wasn't really doing his Holy Spirit thing yet. Skip a couple verses and this is what's happened. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. We're not going to touch that part today. 
Um, if you are interested, we've done, we've done quite a few series in the past about the Holy Spirit. You can find them on the YouTube channel. But, but here's, here's just what I want to highlight. There was a second step for these believers to take, to, be, to receive or for the Holy Spirit to come upon them, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? I don't know. I just know that's what the Bible says. And I wonder if for some of us here, for some of us watching online, if maybe that's a missing piece in our relationship with God. That yeah, we've put our trust in Jesus, but we haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to do what he can do in our lives. Maybe we haven't taken that next step in asking the Holy Spirit to fill us or asking God to, to not activate. Holy Spirit, activate. Not that, okay? <laughs> not that. But to, get, to give permission maybe in a sense, Holy Spirit, I want you to do what you were sent to do in me. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would bring us closer to God. The early church discovered that the Holy Spirit brought them closer to God. I have found in my life that allowing the Holy Spirit to work, asking to be filled, has deepened and strengthened my relationship with God. But what about you? What do you want? Where do you want to be in your relationship with God? Listen, if, if you, I don't know how to say it, if you just want to go to heaven, not like it's oh, just that, if, if, if heaven is all you're worried about, then you don't need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? Jesus fully paid that price. Put your trust in Jesus, and that is secured. But if we want to experience the presence of God more, if we want, if we want to experience God's love, if we want to sense his voice, if we want to grow in our relationship with God, then I believe that Asking the Holy Spirit to fill us is the next step. It is a step that God offers, that the Holy Spirit does, to work inside of you and I. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to give every one of us an opportunity to ask to be filled. Now, nobody's going to, you know, get up and raise a hand or come up front, anything like that. All we're going to do is, I'm just going to simply lead us in a prayer, not because I can talk to God any better, but just so we all kind of go the same way and give you an opportunity to personally ask God to fill you with his Spirit. And you can do this whether it's your first time asking or your 101st time asking. The only requirement is that you and I will have already put our trust in Jesus. And so the band is going to play a song. They're going to come up and get ready. Um, try not to pay attention to them, but let's just take a moment and let's talk to God and ask him to fill us with his Spirit. Would you pray with me? Father, um, we want to know you better. We want to experience more of your presence. We want to grow in our relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus, for making it possible, for giving us access to our Heavenly Father. We, we reconfirm our trust in you, Jesus, or maybe for some of us the first time, we put our trust in you, that there is no other way to God except through you. But Father, that's not all you have for us. You have so much more, and we want to experience your love. We want to experience your hope. We want to experience the strength that you have. We want to experience your peace, not just read about it. And so Father, we ask 
fill us with Your Spirit. Holy Spirit, we, we open ourselves up to what You want to do in us. We give You permission, Holy Spirit, to do Your thing. May You fulfill Your purpose in our hearts and in our lives. Guide us into truth. May You literally speak to our hearts and minds and guide us into the truth about our loving Heavenly Father. Holy Spirit, may You empower us to live differently. Holy Spirit, may You make all of the truths about God more real and more present and more just active in our lives. Do Your thing in us. You are already in us, we know, but we are asking You to do even more. Make the presence of our Heavenly Father real and help us to grow in our relationship with God. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.